Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Cold Hard Truth Podcast. I'm Jack Smith. I'm Shrikar Rajendran. And I'm Anish Gupta. And I want to start out all these episodes going forward by asking you guys how your football weekend was. But I feel like after this last weekend, I have to start um, because my football weekend was terrible. Zach Wilson threw four interceptions. The Jets got absolutely embarrassed. And I'm just grateful that I was out of the house and I didn't have to watch the whole thing because, man, that was brutal. And, and these guys, I was texting them the whole time saying, I'm done being a Jets fan, completely jumping off. I'm going to be a Panthers fan now. And I, I wore the Panthers shirt today, but I, I'm, not going, I'm not going to bandwagon. I'm not going to jump to conclusions after two weeks and five interceptions, I think it is now, on Zach Wilson's season. I'm going to continue to root for the Panthers, but I'll stay a Jets fan, as painful as that may be and may continue to be for the entire season. Uh, but – you guys, how was your football weekend? Uh, I spent my football weekend watching a very bizarre game in Eagles versus 49ers. Um, it was a game where at halftime, I was literally saying in the chat, this team is like a 9-8 and eight or a 10-17. and 17. I completely overrated them. But at the end of the game, I felt, I felt kind of confident about the team. It was just like, I, I just don't know what direction this team is going to go in, being completely honest, especially in su- such a tough division. I don't, I, I don't know how much confidence I have in them, but I'm going I'm to get to that later when we talk about Packers Niners uh, later in the video. My football weekend uh, was bizarre, to say the least. It was just very, very weird, but I enjoyed winning picks. That was, that was always great. Yeah, first week ever that Shrikar has won pick, so congrats to him. That's uh, definitely yeah. Count. I'm actually last. You know, I'm I'm sorry. I know everyone's rooting for me, so I'm sorry. I'm letting you guys down. I'll come back though. Don't worry. I always do. And uh, my football weekend was pretty good, except for the first half. I. I kid you not when Baker got injured with the shoulder. Okay, I don't want to speak too much on it, but my friend texts me. He's like, "Are you good?" I was like, "I was like, don't chat to me until like this is all sorted." I almost I have a Baker poster right like next to me, I was almost about to rip that up and throw it away. Cause there's like a Jeez. whole superstition. Okay. Don't want to explain it, but yeah, first <laughs> half was kind of brutal. Second half. I was feeling great. Uh, I lost my uh, 14 parlay, which really sucked or sorry, three team parlay because the chiefs for some odd reason, couldn't just, you know, CEH. Thanks uh, for that. So yeah, I guess that was kind of a bad ending, but at least I get to see Jack kind of get mad about the jets. So that was really cool. I don't think it was as much mad. It was just in disbelief and uh, no, I was mad. It was realizing the outlook on 100 percent mad. Yeah, no, I was mad. <laughs> um, but today in this episode, we got some good things planned for you guys, kind of like we do uh, in all these episodes. We'll go through our takeaways from last week. There are a ton. Uh, we're gonna try and go through two each, but maybe we got some time for more. Uh, and then we're gonna load you guys up with our week three picks, trying to get to eight games this week. Uh, there are just so many back and forth, neck and neck, hard to pick games that we just felt like we had to, to layer them on. Uh, but to, I guess, start it right off, I'll start with my first takeaway. Uh, it's only taken two weeks and there's already not a single team I can trust. And I know that there's maybe some arguments like Shrikar mentioned when I brought this up earlier that the Buccaneers, you can trust them, but yeah, they're two and zero, and they almost lost to the Dallas Cowboys. They squeaked by them. The chiefs, absolutely folded against the Ravens two teams that we thought we could trust after week one uh, the Seahawks and the Cardinals the Seahawks lost and the Viking or the 
Cardinals probably should have lost to the Vikings. And there's a ton of other teams that we came into the season thinking we could trust. Uh, the Browns lost a week one. It was a good game, but still, I don't completely oh, know. Man. And then they let the Texans hang around a little bit. The Rams uh, almost choked against the Colts, let them hang around till late in the game. And they've got a huge matchup this week. And just overall, when I look at the, the slate of games each week, I don't think there is one team where I can unequivocally say, you know, I'm going to guarantee they're going to win. I fully trust them. I thought that that was the Chiefs and the Bucks, And honestly, this season so far, uh, I have not been proven right on that. And I guess that's just the NFL. But that's kind of my main takeaway is we're going into a season where anyone can lose any week uh, or come very close to losing. And that's a scary thought when having to pick some of these games. Definitely. I, would, I mean, I would say like, oh, my bad, Shriko. I would just no, say that the, the whole thing with that is like, I would never say there's a, in the regular season that you can fully guarantee a team win. Like that, that you're yeah, right. That I is guess how the NFL you're right. Works. That's so true. Like, but uh, there's yeah. always rankings and obviously the chiefs and the bucks are still going to be up there. Right. And I'm not surprised that, you know, the bucks can get pushed, you know, towards the very final minute. Like that's just how football works. I mean, they are, you're an NFL player for a reason. The Texans can, you know, like a team that, you know, was written off hung with Cleveland, right. For a solid half. And they, put the numbers on Jacksonville. So like it's, there's, you know, talent parodies, I feel like is getting a little bit less and less, obviously skill position wise, there's still some teams that just have it. Uh, the NFL is all about confidence in my eyes, but like towards that specific point, I just don't see like, it's, I don't think it's possible for like another team to go like 16 and 0 or 17 and 0. It's just, it's so hard. And like, that's yeah. why I don't, I can never fully guarantee a win for any team, but you know, there are always these locks of the week, but it's the NFL. Anything can happen. I mean, the game can switch within a drive or a play or a quarter. I mean, so many variants in a 60-minute uh, game, which is why I kind of agree with it. But I just think that's kind of always been the consensus. I, you know, there are contenders. There's quote-unquote Super Bowl bubbles. There's playoff teams. But I think there's no, there's no really team where you can fully guarantee a win every single week. You know, you can be favored, but I just don't think you can guarantee or trust them to win, especially in the regular season. I think the playoffs is different, but regular season, not really. Yeah, it's that idea of any given Sunday, right? You can never fully trust a team that was just always known. But I get what Jack is saying. There's flaws with every single team. And in week two, we saw that. So I kind of understand where he's coming from. But moving on to my first takeaway, uh, we got to keep tabs on the Carolina Panthers. This is a team that we you know, could all see as a surprise team out of the NFC. This is a team that could honestly push the Bucks. Just looking at their schedule, they got Houston this week. I think it's going to be a win. You got Dallas next week, Philly, Minnesota, uh, the Giants, Falcons. Those are all winnable games. games yep. yep. So they could easily start what seven, eight, and one uh, with Dallas may, mainly being the one loss that I could potentially see because it's in, uh, in Dallas. But look, it's a pretty easy schedule, the AFC East and the NFC East. And even in their division, they've proven they can beat the Saints. They can definitely beat the Falcons. They could honestly put up a good fight against the Bucs. I truly think that. So with the Panthers, I think they're definitely um, – I know a lot of people have been talking about if the Panthers, the Raiders, and the Broncos are for real. Of those three teams, I am the most all-in on the Panthers, and that is the one team that I'm buying stock for the most out of those three. And out of those three, I'd say the Broncos I have the least stock in just because of the teams they've played, uh, and especially with Josie Jewell being out. Bradley Chubb is out for a significant amount of time. Um, Judy's already out. Let's see how that's going to affect them. But look – the Panthers are looking solid. I think Sam Darnold has found something uh, with Joe Brady, a good connection there. He's got weapons. Uh, he already had that 
a pre-established connection with Robbie Anderson, like what he's doing with DJ Moore. CMC is CMC. So I really like the Panthers this year, and this is definitely a team that we want to keep tabs on. Yeah, I know Anisha's so, going to – no, 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 no. I know go what ahead, you're going to say, too. Dude, you know, the Panthers were my sleeper team in the NFL. <laughs> I, I made a video in March about it. Yes. they. they I like they, I like how Anish says that, even though he's the most avid Darnold hater on our channel. No, that's yep. – it pained me when Darnold went – remember I made the whole quarterback video of who yep. I wanted? I, oh, I, It pained me, but I told you. I said Darnold would still be good enough to get this Panthers team to a playoff push. But, yeah, you go ahead. You can go ahead. I'll finish. Uh, I, I just want to say, like, I really want to touch on the defense because – you know, yeah. what? I'll let you say all the good things about Sam Darnold because I know that'll hurt you more than it hurts me. Uh, yeah. But the defense has been absolutely tremendous. Uh, and we mentioned kind of all of last year how they have just so many young, talented pieces at every level of the defense. And it just was a matter of time until they put it together. And there were the games last year, little flashes of when they would put it together for a quarter, a drive, or even an entire game. They were one of the most unstoppable units in the NFL. And this year, all of those pieces have just been perfectly utilized through the first two weeks. Uh, the coaching staff in Carolina is right now, I think, performing the best out of, I would say, any coaching staff in the league. They've got pieces on defense, pieces on offense, and they're utilizing them to the best of their abilities. Sam Darnold has really made like one mistake through two weeks of football, and there probably weren't a stretch of two weeks last year under Adam Gase uh, and with the Jets where you could say that about Sam Darnold. So, I think if he can play mistake-free football like he has been and this Panthers defense can stay away from injury, uh, I really think this Panthers team will be in the playoffs. I think I can solidly say that. And you're right, Shrigar, they could push some of these the big dogs in the NFC, like the Seahawks or the Bucks, the Rams or the Packers. What I, I want to see them, though, play against a true veteran quarterback and like a true veteran uh, team. Because the Saints had Jameis Winston, the Jets obviously had Zach Wilson. I want to see them go against a Tom Brady or an Aaron Rodgers or even guys uh, who have played in this league but aren't you know, considered to be as good like Derek Carr. I want to see them go against someone like that who can maybe scheme the protection uh, towards some of the free runners uh, or who can take advantage of the secondary. Because the secondary is one of the pieces that hasn't quite figured it out this season. Like the receivers are still getting open. Uh, it's just a matter of quarterbacks not having time. But Honestly, I'm super excited for what the Panthers have been doing. Proud of what Sam Darnold's been doing. I just hope that they can sustain it. If they do, they're a real dangerous team. Here's what I'll say with the Panthers and the reason why I put stock into them. They remind, Here's what they remind me of. And when I say this, I think it's going to bring a bell in your guys' ears too. They remind me of the 2019 Dolphins transitioning into 2020. And here's why. Up and coming defense, good coaching staff that I believed in, right? Every loss that they had in 2020, was by like uh was by a possession or less. It was nine of their eleven losses were by uh eight points or less. So this was a team that had promise all year. And the two games that I was really impressed with last year was against Arizona and uh, LA. Two games that they shouldn't have won, but they did because of their defense. So and as Jack pointed out, those were examples of the flashes that we all saw and we all agreed on. And I think coming into this year again, another year with the coaching staff a quarterback who at least has some experience and I feel like has more potential than Teddy Bridgewater, which is Sam Darnold. It's clear and obvious. I mean, you know, there was a reason why he was a top five pick. And I think, you know, his mechanics with someone like Joe Brady who helped Joe Burrow blossom into the QB he was right. Also with Matt rule, a, you know, an offensive minded head coach, 
look how much that's benefited him. I, I think it's, you know, it's been really good for him. Offense is, has a lot of weapons that I'm high on every single one of those pieces, right? Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, CMC, obviously, who cannot be? And I think it's just so much of a better or run organization than what he was at with New York. So that's why I think for him, at least, it's a lot better of a transition. And I think with the Panthers defense, I would disagree. I think the secondary is taking a lot of strides. You're right. They're a little hit and miss, but I think Dante Jackson and JC Horn have all the potential in the world. Jeremy um, Chin, too. Yep. Yep. Jeremy Chin. Uh, so I would say the Panthers, like, that's why I had to take it down because uh, already mentioned it, but I, you know, Panthers playoff push. I mean, I've kind of hammered down that button and I think it's something that we should all put our stock into. I will say this one thing, it's not even a pessimistic thing. It's just Jack kind of took it uh, by the nail. I would just say, you know, they're a bit inexperienced, which is why I don't know if they can hang with them you know, with those top tier contenders, but I would, you're right. I would love to see him, you know, week four against Dallas. That's a huge Testament, right? How are they going to face uh, or fair against Dak Prescott with that receiving core, you know, and that loaded offense. So that's a really good Testament that I'm going to see, you know, Brian Burns, what if Zach Martin still has to play right tackle? That's going to be a really, really tough matchup for him. So uh, I'm excited to see something like that. So that's my takeaway on the Panthers. And what was your kind of your own first takeaway on the, week? I would, so I would probably say mine, you know, Trick already kind of mentioned the Broncos and the Raiders. I legitimately think the AFC West can have three playoff teams. Um, and it it's all four, you know, are honestly, you know, had upside. The one that I'm obviously we're all shocked about is Las Vegas. I mean, I came in thinking that this was, you know, a six win team last year. Again, I was low on them and they kind of surprised me in the beginning of the year. And then they went back to where I kind of saw them. But um, this year, this is I'm. I'm buying in on uh, Las Vegas. I think their defense is top 15. I think uh, Derek Carr, like the pre-snap reads that I'm seeing him make, because, you know, I've, get, I've gotten to see him and, you know, watch him both, both times. One was on a national stage and the other one was against, you know, a big team in Pittsburgh. His pre-snap reads and just him being able to look at defenses, I think he's really taken another level up this year. Like just breaking down, you know, audibles, changing plays. You could see it in overtime. I thought that was a huge reason why they were able to win. So I think Derek Carr is really, I think he's taking another level mentally, right? He's always had the physical tools. You know, he's had a great deep ball. He's always been accurate, but I think the mental game is where he's really taking another step forward. And uh, that Raiders defense, again, like I said, Max Crosby is really putting himself up there in like top five to, you know, seven edge rusher. I think he's, he's getting up there. So uh, that's one. And obviously we talked about uh, Denver last week too, you know, I mean, I know they're against uh, New York and uh, Jacksonville, but you can't ignore their defense. Obviously some injuries to Bradley Chubb concerned me a little bit, uh, but, and Jerry Judy as well. But I think, you know, Denver's going to have a good roster. All depends on Teddy Bridgewater. Who's, quieted the turnovers LA we know what they have with Justin Herbert that offensive line uh, obviously the Chargers defenses look good Derwin James uh, number one PFF ranked safety and then Kansas City so that's my takeaway I think the AFC West can legit have three playoff teams this year with the Raiders and the Broncos I mean for me I'm not as high on the Broncos as I am the Raiders I'm buying some Raider stock I still need to see something from Denver because again Chubb goes down Josie Jewell goes down yep that's a huge loss he's a big leader for that for that Denver defense but with the Raiders, I think Derek Carr is playing the best football he's played since 2016. From what I've been able to see through two weeks, I've always been a believer in Derek Carr. I've always thought he was an underrated QB, doesn't get the flowers he deserves. But, man, he has stuck it through with this organization. He has been through thick and thin. And, honestly, he's making use of his weapons. I know Darren Waller gets a ton of targets, but that throw to Ruggs at the end of that Steelers game was perfect. One of the yeah. best throws I've ever seen him make. Minka bites one time. and Minka and Witherspoon were on the coverage, and Ruggs was just using his speed to his advantage there. It was a perfect route, perfect ball from Derek Carr. 
uh, and one of my favorite throws of the weekend. Uh, but again, the running game, let's see what happens when Josh Jacobs comes back into the lineup. Uh, I know that's a pretty big concern, especially because Kenyon Drake hasn't shown too much so far. And the Raiders' defense has been impressive. Crosby is back in form. Uh, I think the hiring of Gus Bradley really changed things. I think this whole defense has just looked a lot more motivated, a lot more hungry compared to last year. Uh, less lapses in coverage. So I think they've been doing pretty good. And honestly, I'm buying more Raiders stock than I am the Broncos. Because um, I just need I need the Broncos to prove it to me a little bit more. Same with the Raiders, but I think the Broncos more so. I'm not completely sold on either the Raiders or the Broncos yet, but I don't think we should be using, first of all, I don't think we should be using the fact that the Broncos have only played Jacksonville and Las Vegas as a knock on them because uh, they kind of dominated in both of those games. Like it, it, those were, there were a lot of close games, uh, games that were closer than they should have been. And the Broncos haven't had one of those yet. So they they're cleaning up against the competition. They should be. And of course they yeah. played the Jets this week, which, I will say, honestly, and I'm not being biased, is I feel like a little bit of a trap game for the Broncos with Bradley Chubb out um, and with the Jets bouncing back from a, a bad performance and kind of the whole team playing well outside hearing, of Zach. Uh, are we hearing an upset pick? No, I, I'm sticking with, with Denver. Mm-hmm. I'm sticking with Denver. But Dang. just because it's in Denver, like, honestly, if it was in New York, I might have pulled the trigger. But I, I really do like – the Broncos as a whole, whether they have the upside as a team to make the playoffs, I'm not quite sure yet. And with the Raiders, we've heard this story before. Like, I don't yeah. want it. Yeah. I don't want the, their happens to every... distract everyone from the fact they did this same thing last year and didn't make the playoffs and completely But not fell to this off. extent, though. Not to the I, – I feel like they, they didn't start off 2-0 and either yeah, year. Yeah, they didn't start off like this they, high. They went – they started off 6-4 and four last two years and missed the playoffs. And they – it's, it's, it's two great defenses, The competition too. that they've beaten. I, I know they beat New, New Orleans last year, but I think – I don't know. Something seems a little bit different. Baltimore and the, Pittsburgh? It, it, you're right. It does seem a little bit different. But I still, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, is it sustainable? Is it yeah. really sustainable? Like, because quarterbacks, especially when they're late in their careers, like Derek Carr, they don't flip like that year to year. You never see this jump in improvement from one season to another in a quarterback in their 30s. It never happens like that. Sure, you may see some second-year quarterbacks uh, turn it on or a third-year guy like Josh Allen. But at a, a guy like Derek Carr's age, there kind of isn't that that room for improvement uh, across a full season. So it's been two games. I'm kind of pumping the brakes a little bit on the Raiders and I might be proven completely wrong. I just, I'm not sure how sustainable their offensive production is. Um, yeah. They got Waller and Carr's been playing well so far, but do we trust Josh Jacobs over an entire season? Do we trust Henry Ruggs to continue what he's been doing? I like Brian Edwards, but is he going to show up big like he did against Baltimore every time, like in those big situations? I'm not quite sure the, the defense. I do believe like I can buy into them being a solid unit for the rest of the year, but I'm just pumping the brakes a little bit. I still think it is pretty likely that there are three teams from this division that make the playoffs, because I don't think that the Broncos and the Raiders fall off. Um, and I'm pretty confident on the chargers. I think a Justin Herbert blow up game is coming super soon. He's made some of the most incredible throws uh, and without penalties, his lines would have looked so much better over the last couple of weeks. And he's played uh, two solid teams. Uh, Chargers three mistakes though, twelve penalties. That well, but, is a little. But you, I you can admit, Staley, I gotta put Staley on that a little bit. You can I'm admit little, though, those some of those penalties, tons were, of penalties, some of those penalties should have stayed in the pocket. But illegal shifts at the one yard line, that it, is that there was happen. no illegal shift. I'd st- I, and, I and 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 uh, and the play the after. 
the play after I, not having a pass interference in the end zone. I'm just saying, yeah, uh, Justin Herbert. Some more James. questionable. I'll agree, but there's just some mistakes that you know. And here's like, the thing: if Justin Herbert, if you, we remember that sack, obviously where they ruled it forward progress. If Justin oh, yeah. Herbert threw that ball, that's intentional grounding. So that's another penalty right there. That's true. Yeah. At least in my opinion. So I don't know. All I'm saying is I, I have some. I have. I still have faith in the Chargers. The Chiefs will make the playoffs. I honestly, I agree with you, Nish. I think it's pretty likely that one more team from this division makes the playoffs, be it the Broncos or the Raiders. So I honestly like that takeaway. My second uh, takeaway that I wanted to talk about this week is you cannot count out teams that win in the trenches. And there are three specific teams this season that I've been more impressed with than I uh, previously thought I would be because of this reason. One of them is the Raiders who we just talked about. Their defensive line has been absolutely it's been great this year. Uh, part of that was Max Crosby, and they also have been winning on the offensive line. Uh, that's why Derek Carr is able to stand back, make these throws. And I think he is his veteran presence is one of the reasons why the offensive line is playing pretty well, just because he's yep. able to notice things, make decisions before the snap, like Anish talked about. The two other teams, though, are the Dallas Cowboys and the Detroit Lions. I know the Detroit Lions are 0-2, but they put up a fight in that first half against the Packers. And in games where, say, they're playing the Minnesota Vikings or they're going up against, I don't know, the Jacksonville Jaguars or the Indianapolis Colts, like, I think that they would be able to compete in those games based on their offensive line alone. They ran the ball extremely well with DeAndre, with DeAndre Swift uh, and with Jamal Williams. And these are the type of teams where if you keep them in the game, they can be a thorn in any team side. So I feel like those three teams were teams I had kind of a negative outlook coming into the season, the Cowboys, the Lions, and the Raiders. But the big takeaway I had is because of the big men that they have down in the trenches, I really think that they can kind of contend in any game. And if you let them stay in, they're going to steal some wins from good teams. I With think Detroit. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. All right. I'll, here's what I'll say. First off, I think what you said about Dallas I'll kind of take him one team at a time. I think Zach Martin is the best overall offensive lineman in football. And I'm including Quinton Nelson. I think it's Zach Martin to do what he does. He can play tackle. He can play guard. I mean, it's, it's insane. Like just watching him too. So that's one thing I'll say. Also, this is what like kind of I've believed in when I watch football, the the lines of scrimmage is how you win. Look at every Super Bowl winning team. You win the lines of scrimmage. That is how it works. Right. It goes, you know, offensive and defensive side of the ball. You need to win both sides to, you know, win in this league. And you're right. I feel like, you know, if you have that, that gives you a chance in any game. Detroit, right? Like you said, Dallas. um, And the third team was uh, Las Vegas. All three have shown promise on both sides of the ball. And I think for Detroit, I would like to see a little bit more from the pass rush. Uh, But, uh, you know, now with Jamie Collins, also they're trying to shop. There's like a little bit of concern. Like, what are you, what are you trying to do there? Um, but I think in terms of, you know, offensive line production, again, just goes to show why I think that's the most like, you know, important unit in football. And I think certain positions are just more important than skill positions there. Like I, I think offensive line can be the telling tale in a game. And, uh, I totally agree with you with those three teams. I think, you know, for Detroit, you know, teams that are, you know, not in that upper tier, but kind of in that mid, you know, mid pack, I think they can easily upset any of those type of teams. Like you mentioned, right. Those kind of like seven, nine, eight, and eight teams from last, like Minnesota. That's a good one that you kind of mentioned, uh, you know, New like York, Chicago in a sense too. Chicago, and there were two right. more teams that I feel like I could throw in the same category. I know I wasn't high on the Ravens coming into the year, but they just showed that through yep. using their offensive line to kind of just beat down on the chiefs as the game wore on, they're going to stay in these games. And that's, that's the reason why they've been contenders. And so even if they don't have the weapons on the outside or the, defense lacks a little bit 
they're going to be able to run the ball. And another team is the Tennessee Titans because they they just absolutely pounded down the Seahawks as that game wore on. Um, and the stamina was there for them. It was kind of like which team was going to break first. And they honestly, they broke the Seahawks and that's why they, they were able to win that game. So overall, my takeaway is just some of these teams that you may look and you may say, you know, the Lions, they've got like one receiver on their entire roster that's worth anything. And being Tyrell Williams at that too and Jared Goff at quarterback. But if you've got the offensive line, if you've got the defensive line, it, that's where you got to kind of build from and you build out. And so the Lions, I think, specifically are kind of the, the main team that kind of fits this mold because they're a team that shouldn't be good, but they've got a good offensive line and they're going to hang around in some games. Yep, no, for sure. I agree with that. My second takeaway, bringing it back to the AFC West, um, I watched the Chiefs-Ravens game to, uh, twice, once on Game Pass, once live. And their defense, if they don't make it back to the Super Bowl, their defense is literally going to be the primary reason why. 500 total yards allowed uh, in the past two games. That is insanity to me. Because this is the second highest paid defense in the NFL. Keep that in mind. There's always that myth going around the Chiefs don't care about defense. They literally care about the defense. They care a lot. They invest a lot of money into their defense. So for them yep. to be underperforming like this, it, it, it really concerns me. But here's the thing. I'm not counting out the Chiefs. It's not saying that. As long as they have Mahomes, I can never count them out. But in the playoffs, can this defense hold up against, you know, the, the better offenses in the AFC? The Ravens just took it to them. I blame the defense for that loss. Of course, you can give some blame to Clyde Edwards-Alaire for that fumble. But you're giving up 36 points to the Ravens. And this is a high-scoring offense. So you have to complement that in a way so that the Ravens, you know, don't catch up and make it a shootout. So that's a problem with me. And, you know, I guess my main takeaway here is if the Chiefs defense can't get it together, especially in the run game, I don't see this team making it back to the Super Bowl. I 100% agree. Like, I, I think that's perfect way to describe it. And here's my thing. Like, the Ravens were running the ball, like, five straight times on drives. Yep. Like, they – I mean, they – they ran the clock out in the fourth quarter. They had an eight minute drive. Keep that in mind, 16 plays, eight minute drive in the fourth quarter. Okay. And Mahomes is just sitting there chewing on his mouthpiece because he can't do anything. I completely agree with that. I, you're right. They invested a lot in guys like Chris Jones, Frank Clark, Tyron Matthew, right? Um, and I just don't, they haven't been able to produce. And aside from those two picks that Tyron Matthew got, he underperformed in that game. He let some deep yep. passes go, especially that jump one. He has to be there, in my opinion. Like, I thought that was – I was confused. And even when they're stacking the box, they're not doing it right. Like, on fourth and one, right, that call with – I think it was like one minute to go in the game, right? I think Lamar and Har Harbaugh – I know he was asking Lamar, but I think in his mind, too, he knew. Like, even if they know we're going to run it, they were so confident in the fact that they could get that one yard. I thought it was over then and there at fourth and one. As soon as they said, let's go for it, I thought the game was over. And also, I, think, I feel like I they think, had no choice. Yeah, they, yeah. they knew, too. If they you can't punt it to and they gave Mahomes the ball back, he was going to win. They lose. Yeah. Exactly. And I, I, I thought that's a better gamble to take than to give Mahomeboy the ball back. And yeah, for sure. Perfectly explained because they, they – the chiefs defense, I feel like new in their minds too. And I like, you can see they're not as confident. I mean, like they, the Browns keep in mind also week one, we're running it down their throats. They were getting everything they wanted. They keep in mind, they scored on, they didn't punt till the fourth quarter or sorry, the end of the third quarter. So like, I mean, this defense is very concerning to me. Uh, the offensive line for the chiefs look pretty good. I think like, you know, the offense is going to do fine. 
The defense is definitely worse from last year. And Steve Spagnola has got to get his, you know, bleep together because this, you know, these AFC teams are getting better. And I think over time, when the game slows down, when running is going to become a bigger part of offenses, can you really slow it down? Uh, that's great and great takeaway. I 100% agree. There's too many, there are too many good or great AFC rushing attacks for them to play like this and make it through the playoffs. Uh, yep. you, you cannot go through the playoffs if you're facing the Titans, the Browns, the Ravens, uh, and even to like some extent, the Chargers can run the ball pretty well. Uh, the Raiders, I feel like when they're on, they can run the ball pretty well. And then whoever they match up in the Super Bowl, there's a lot of teams that run the ball well. So I just, they cannot keep playing like this and they have the bodies and they've shown that they can stop the run. Like last year, they were actually a pretty solid defense, especially against stopping the run. Um, when they were at the end of the 2019 season, they were doing well at stopping the run. The Niners, honestly, in the Super Bowl, did not get too much going against them on the ground. And they've got the bodies and they know how to do it. And I, I, I do believe that they're going to figure it out. It is week two. We don't like to overreact to things too much. I do think they're going to figure it out, but that's a great takeaway. There's just no way that they would be able to survive all the way through the entire season and the playoffs if their run defense keeps playing like this. One person I want to shout out, though, is John Harbaugh, because I feel like he's becoming or he is ahead of the game when it comes to stuff like this, making those good fourth down decisions, the analytical decisions, and just going with your gut, too, because, you know, if you give Patrick Mahomes the ball back, it's this, the odds are not the same as any other quarterback. And I have congratulated him and given him tons of props for adapting his offense just for Lamar Jackson. And I feel like he's continuing to adapt. And maybe, you know, a couple of years ago, he would never have gone for that on fourth down. But with the way the NFL is right now, with the way his team is built, I think he knows he can go out and run for fourth and one. So huge props uh, go out to John Harbaugh for continuing to adapt, being a player's coach, uh, asking them to make the decision. I, I think it's great. I'm going to also give a shout out to Greg Roman because he kind of switched up some yeah. stuff as well. So, uh, but I think my second takeaway is that David Culley was a good hire and I'm going to get, you know, a little bit Texan centric here because not a lot of people are going to talk about him. And especially cause you know, my team just played him. Uh, the Texans, I remember, you know, a couple of my group chats, people were like, oh, this team's going one in 16. Tyrod who, like, he's not going to do well with the Texans. I, I immediately stopped them. Like the Texans, I, I was, I, you know, I remember saying Jacksonville could get seven wins and I think I should have switched it around. I, I was high on both of them or saying like, you know, Texans wouldn't be as bad as people think because look, Tyrod, for example, Tyrod Taylor, and I know he's got the hamstring, but he has a winning season under his belt. And I think I've said this a hundred times on this podcast, but he's been a good quarterback wherever he's gone. He's been very serviceable. And I think David Culley, right. To go specifically to him, he's a player's coach. You can see it, right? So against the Browns, he ran onto the field mid to the midpoint of the entire field just to help uh you know the Texans kind of run this play and I think what he's kind of instilled in this team is that that fighting mentality and I think for example when Tyrod goes down and I want to give a huge shout out to Brandon Cooks because this is another guy that I'm very very high on especially this year when uh, Tyrod went down Cooks immediately calls up uh, the Texans offensive coordinator and starts calling out which plays he wants to run that he sees in the teeth of the Browns defense and some of them actually work and he was talking to Davis Mills about what he sees, where, you know, gaps in the zone, what he wants to run. And every time, right after Davis Mills threw a pick to Malcolm Smith, Cooks immediately goes to him along with David Culley. And they kind of sat him down and said, hey, you're going to be all right. So I think, you know, obviously the Texans, 
this season is not really going to be one of that much hope, but in terms of future long-term success, I think David Cully should be here to stay. And at least for this year, he's earned a lot of my respect these first two weeks. And I think the Texans are going to be in a lot of games and don't always bet, uh, you know, the minus whatever forever uh, bet against the Texans. Cause I think they can cover a lot of these games. So I'm really impressed with what I've seen from David Cully so far. I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say, he was a good hire just yet, but he wasn't as bad as I thought before. I thought he was going to be downright horrible. But as yeah. you said, the players have bought into him. That is something that, you know, I always look for in a coach. That's something that Urban Meyer just hasn't gotten a grip on. He's lost the locker room. And even before week one, he lost them. So that's just downright terrible. And that's why the Jags are as bad as we think they're going to be. But, I mean, David Cully, there was not much – in his favor. He was basically, you know, in a David versus Goliath situation in which he's David and he was just, nothing was going his way. So for him to kind of recuperate and be at least one and one and hang in that Browns game, that's definitely impressive. Is it sustainable over an 18 game season though? I'm not sure. That's where I'm not sold on David Cully just yet, but I will say I have been somewhat impressed by him and I don't think the hire was as bad as, you know, we, we originally thought. Yeah, I, I do like David Coley, and I know you guys have mentioned that. I want to touch on, though, the way that they constructed their roster because we were kind of really confused uh, throughout the majority of the offseason because they were they were signing guys and upon guys and just so many players. And it was kind of like they were building kind of a ragtag team, but it's worked out really well. They have a lot of depth. They were signing guys that no one wanted, like Desmond King and Philip Lindsay, Mark Ingram, David Johnson, and they've created a team – where, you know, these guys have played before. They know what to do. They know how to win games because they are, and they come from all walks of life. And yep. I, mean, I think David Coley has been able to bring the good parts out of that. Um, and honestly, don't be shocked at come trade deadline time, the Texans make four or five trades, shipping these guys off and kind of reeling in draft picks to start really building the future of this team. Uh, I know that we kind of discounted them because we just thought, you know, there really isn't enough star power there. Like they just traded JJ Watt. Look at all the stuff going on with Deshaun Watson, but the Texans have been good in the past couple years. And honestly, they've got a lot of guys who can be impact players. I like Justin Reed. Brandon cooks has had a thousand yards every season for as long as I can remember. Mm -hmm. um, and they've got a decent running back rotation. Now there, I think there will be some questions with Davis mills and we'll see yeah. tonight. We're recording this on Thursday. The Texans play on Thursday night football against the Panthers. So this is kind of a big test for them because if they can hang in this game, I'd be confident in them winning four or five games for the rest of the year and competing against some teams. And I would probably at that point uh, expect them to not come last in the division. Like almost everyone had them coming into the year. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah, I, I really like David Coley and especially when you compare it to the hire of Urban Meyer and what we've seen so far from the Jaguars looks even better than that hire. And now if you watched last week, you know, Anisha's got bus on Thursdays. So we got to get through our pick segment and a little bit faster than we used to do it. But honestly, I kind of like a little bit more forces, uh, forces the decision, pushes the envelope a little bit. Our first game, I'll start Colts versus Titans with the Wentz injury. Even if he plays, I kind of just can't pick against the Titans right now. Uh, I really think that they had a, a super solid performance uh, week two versus the Seahawks. I think it carries over because I think that's the Titans team that we're going to get used to seeing over this year. The one we expected to see AJ Brown had some uncharacteristic drops. So I think that his numbers are a little misleading trade for him in fantasy Buy low on him. If you still can, 
because I think this week him and Ryan Tannehill get it going. And I think that they win the first of the two matchups against the Colts. Um, I think with, with this matchup, anything can happen because it's the AFC South. And generally we tend to expect the unexpected, especially with the Colts and Titans. Um, very impressive what I saw from uh, Tennessee last week with that 24-9 comeback win. I just think they're the better team right now. And the Colts are just dealing with too many injuries. It's all about timing with these picks and timing's just not working in the Colts favor right now. So got to go with Tennessee. Uh, I'm going with Tennessee Colts might, and probably will have to move on from Wentz in two years, just too reckless, too injury prone. I can't defend it. Uh, Titans looked good. Uh, Derek Henry looked really good in the second half. The first half was shaky for Tennessee, but they came back firing. Uh, need to see that defense step a little, uh, up a little bit, but uh, yeah, I got the Titans in the first one, but in the second one, I'm still holding out hope. <laughs> Wait on it. Wait on yeah, it. But yeah, first one's going to go to the Tennessee Titans. Because Wentz has got to have his MB- MVP season turned on by then, right? Oh, yeah. No doubt. Uh, our next MVP game season. is Chargers versus Chiefs. We talked about how the Chiefs just kind of haven't the defense has not looked good, but the Chargers do not have as good a rushing offense as Baltimore does. And while I think that Justin Herbert, his big explosion game could be this week, especially statistically, I think when it comes down to it, the Chiefs play calling, I trust more than the Chargers right now. And I think their game management um, and just what they offer, being able to score at any time, whereas kind of all the teams they play against have to put together big drives. I think that this game, another divisional matchup, another big rivalry uh, which we'll see it again and could be a different story. I think the Chiefs win this one, though. Uh, I agree. I think this is going to be an insane game offensively. Uh, we're going to see some real eye-popping numbers here, but ultimately I-, I can't bet against Mahomes to lose two straight. That's that's what it is for me. So even with how bad this defense is, can't bet against Mahomes. I'm going with the Chiefs. Mahomeboy let us down last week, but here's what I'll say. I think the Chiefs have the uh, arrowhead, like, it's going to be like 99 to one ratio of Chiefs fans, maybe even 99 and a half. Like the Chiefs are the Seahawks of the AFC in terms of fan noise. It's insane. Like that crowd noise really got into it week one. And I think they're going to do it again. Chargers fans are just not going to travel to Missouri. Uh, so I got the Chiefs in this one. Again, my homeboy, I don't think he's losing twice. Uh, but the Chargers, aside from a Brady led team, do play up to the Chiefs the best in, uh, you know, in Mahomes' career. So we'll see. Uh, but I got Kansas City in this one. Next game, Saints-Patriots, a uh, battle of the two titans of the league for the longest time. Uh, there's there's some new quarterbacks there, though. That's what we'll say. Mac Jones versus Jameis Winston. The Jameis coaster was in full effect last week. But I think he bounces back a little bit more this week. And I don't think it's him as much as the Patriots could not stop the run against the Jets. So now having to go against the Saints offensive line, uh, as well as Alvin Kamara. I think Kamara gets it going after a pitiful performance last week. I think he rushed for like five yards. Uh, It's absolutely insane. Um, And so I think that the Saints run the ball better than they did. And the Patriots kind of can't stop it. And I think that the Saints do a better job containing the Patriots run. And then if, if it comes down to Mac Jones making a big play, because I think that's what this game will come down to, which offense can make a bigger play in the passing game first. I'm not sure I have that faith in Mac Jones yet because he, he's really looked super conservative, almost to a fault so far. Uh, I'm going with the Saints. Wasn't I'm not super confident about this one. I was 50-50, uh, but I, I think I'm going with New Orleans. Well, I just talked about timing with the Colts-Titans game. The Saints have had to travel a lot. You go from Jacksonville in week one, you go to practice in Dallas, you go up to Charlotte for your week two game, and now you're going to New England for week three. This is a very, very tough spot. And also it's Jameis Winston against Bill Belichick. 
So that already is a mismatch in my eyes. I'm, I'm going with the Patriots, honestly. I'm going with the Patriots at home. Um, and honestly, if it comes down, you know, to being a close game, I believe in Mac Jones. I think he can get it done. Um, he is playing that game manager role right, right now, but I think he can show something. But mainly I'm expecting the defense to just, to just swarm Jameis Winston. I think that's what's going to happen. I'm going with the Patriots here. Uh, I'm going to go with the Patriots as well. I think they're going to, you know, slow this game down. And I think Belichick, uh, in terms of defensive play calling, they, they just, they fool people. I mean, they fool rookie quarterbacks. And I know Jameis Winston is not a rookie, but he does tend to throw some misguided throws. And I think Belichick's going to get him on a couple. Uh, secondary is still really good. And I think when it comes down to it, if the game slows down, I trust Bill, Belichick's play calling a little bit. Uh, Sean Payton, don't sleep on him though. Uh, great coach. It's going to be a battle of two great coaches, but I think the Patriots will get it done at home. This one, again, was probably the hardest game I had to pick here. Really? Wow. Another hard game, uh, Bengals versus Steelers, another divisional rivalry. One note, we have offered contingency in this game because we're recording this on Thursday, and there's still some injury notes we're waiting on, specifically on the Steelers' side, whether T.J. Watt, who has practiced but been limited if he's going to play, and Ben Roethlisberger has not practiced yet this week. We don't know if he's going to play. So just a little note, we're offering contingency. Either way, I'm kind of expecting Ben not to play and T.J. to play. Uh, so I'm going with the Bengals. Um, I, I was, I've been semi-impressed with the Bengals. They kind of let me down last week, but their defense was pretty good against Andy Dalton, Justin Fields, and the Bears. And I think that in this matchup, the Steelers' offense with Ben Roethlisberger is already archaic and, and horrible. I, I just can't imagine what it would be like without him because I don't even – is Josh Dobbs, is that their backup right now? Or is uh, Dwayne Haskins too? Haskins. So, yeah, I, I – I like James, uh, Dwayne Haskins, but I don't trust him uh, whatsoever. I think Joe Burrow will bounce back this week after throwing three picks on three straight plays last week. Um, and I liked what the Bengals showed me in that second half. I think that their talent on the outside will kind of mitigate and balance out what the Steelers have on defense. And I think they come away with the win. If Ben plays, I might think about using that contingency to switch my pick over to the Steelers. But right now I'm going Cincinnati. Um go ahead and play the clip because this is my first Bengals pick of 2021. Wow. Uh, but um, yeah, I'm also going to take the Bengals here. I mean, the Steelers, <laughs> the, Steel, the Steelers, in my opinion, are literally the exact replica of last year. The offense is horrible. Defense is terrific. But here's the thing. Will the Steelers really drop two in a row at Heinz Field? It's tough to say, uh, but I'm going to lean Bengals right here. The contingency is going to come up huge here. Um, but right now I'm going to go with my gut and I'm also going to say Joe Burrow has a bounce back game, and especially if TJ Watson, no go, uh, I'd be more confident in saying the Bengals, but I'm a roll with Cincy in this game. Since he always plays up to Pittsburgh, they just always do. Uh, usually they don't win it, but last, last year at Heinz field, Ryan Finley did it. So, uh, Bengals sweep ironically, and I'm probably wow. going to use that contingency. And here's my reason is actually not even TJ Watt or big Ben. It's actually Joe Hayden. Uh-huh. Uh, I'd like that Bengals receiving core might have a field. If guys like Joe Hayden can't really play, cause that's a guy that can, you know, kind of play on an Island and Bengals love to switch up the receiver sets. So uh, if a guy like him is not there, I think Joe Burrow might, you know, if he can just get a stable pocket a little bit, I mean, those deep plays that, you know, he even hit to Chase and Higgins last week, he could do it again uh, in Pittsburgh. So I'm going to go with the Bengals sweep here, but again, obviously there's a contingency on this game. Who would have thought that cold Troop would do a Bengals sweep? That's think about uh, that. Put can't big shout out to Jared. Big shout out to Bengals. <laughs> yeah. An important note too: Tyson uh, Alulu placed on injured reserve and Devin Bush has been a little bit banged up too. I expect him to go, but 
you know, it's still, there's a lot of injury issues right now with the Steelers that we still got to get sorted out. Another huge game, Dolphins, Raiders, would be a bigger game if Tua Tungavailoa was playing. It was announced he will not play. And, you know, their, their offense, just like the Steelers, was bad enough with Tua. I think it'll be even worse with a, even worse with a full game of Jacoby Brissett. I'll ride this Raiders train for one more week because, you know, like it's, it's the early season Raiders, Derek Carr. It's a bad matchup with the Dolphins defense. But right now, can you really count on the Dolphins offense, especially without Tua? I was going to say, even with Tua, I would have picked the Raiders. No, I don't know. Like, like I, I just – the Raiders are playing great ball, Derek Carr especially. So, I feel like I can't bet against, as you said, the early season Raiders. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I, I don't see Brissett winning this game for the Dolphins. I, I got to go with Las Vegas here. Raiders sweep. I think Crosby's going to have a field day against that offensive line and on Jacoby Brissett. Uh, I – also think, you know, maybe even if Xavier Howard kind of shuts down, you know, one of the receivers on kind of an island, uh, I don't know if anyone's going to stop Darren Waller. Uh, I mean, you know, maybe Jerome Baker, but I think the Raiders are going to, it's so ironic because last year we all had a dolphin sweep on the Raiders. It was, you know, week 16 of uh, the 2020 season. And now we're flipping it just in like, you know, five games time. So mm-hmm. it's pretty ironic to me, but I got the Raiders here. And the biggest game of the week. Oh, my God. It is God. absolute crime that this isn't a primetime game, by the way. Right. Like, yeah, I'm really mad about, about this. But yeah, they're exactly. saving it for week four because that one, oh, I'm excited for that one. You yeah. know the Bucks week four. Oh, yeah. So I know that. We know that. Buccaneers, Rams, I literally couldn't pick it. I, I could not. I was leaning Buccaneers uh, for the longest time. But then with recent news that we've gotten, Jason Pierre-Paul might not play. Antonio Brown Antonio on the Brown. COVID list. Yeah. I think it would kind of be a miracle at this point if he's able to make it on Sunday. My gut feeling was Tampa because I don't think that the Rams will be successfully able to set up their play action as well as they had in the first two weeks because uh, the Bucks' run defense is just – they swarm, guys. You cannot run the ball against them. And Daryl Henderson a little banged up too, so you're, you're getting that little demotion at the, the Rams running back spot. But with the injuries, it's kind of tough. I think I'm going to stick with the Bucs for now. I'm going with the Buccaneers because when in doubt, you go Tom Brady. Uh, the Rams, though, have a definite chance of winning this game if Cooper Cup keeps it up, Matthew Stafford can keep it going, and this defense is still very good. I went with the Rams, I believe, last year, primetime uh, Rams versus Bucks, and they got it done. But I'm going with the Bucs this year. If the Rams win, I think it'll be because of Aaron Donald coming through in a big, in a big way. Uh, in a big game, which he kind of, it's not his spot. He hasn't, he hasn't played well under the spotlight recently. And I think Robert Woods will have to have a good game for the Rams, but gut feeling, I got to stick with it. Even amidst some of the stuff, uh, Buccaneers are my pick. Uh, you are getting a raw reaction from me. Like right now, I don't know who I'm picking. Um, I think, I think I'm gonna go with the Rams actually, because here's one thing that no one's talking about. The Bucks have actually struggled against the past for the past two weeks. So you mentioned Robert Woods, but one guy you didn't mention was Anisha's boy, Cooper Cup. Hey, can I, can I speak on him? Right. I feel like Cooper Cup could have a big game in this game. Uh, and honestly, I feel like not defending the pass is going to be the Bucks' demise in this game. It was so tough for me to pick, but especially being in Los Angeles, I think Stafford's going to be motivated. Uh, I, I'm going to go with the Rams in this game. I'm not going to look back on this. Damn. Okay. So Jack, do you remember when we recorded our awards picks, who was my uh, MVP candidate? Cause I always do a surprise one. It was yep, Matthew, Stafford. Matthew Stafford. It was. So I think this could be a huge quote unquote coming out party for him because if he beats Tom Brady and out plays him, 
that's something that people are going to keep in mind a lot. Because remember, he showed out against Chicago and people were kind of putting him in that radar, right? I got the Rams here. And my thing is, is that Tampa Bay is going to have to travel cross country. That's always something that I keep in my mind, back in my mind. Um, the secondary, again, they're not stopping Cooper Cup. He went for 100 yards last year against the same team. So they're not stopping him. And uh, <laughs> Daryl Henderson's also going to be good. And here's the thing. the uh, Brady has played the Dallas Cowboys and the Atlanta Falcons, two teams that just haven't really gotten the best pressure. Uh, Dallas, I mean, a little bit better, but Fal- Atlanta, no. So uh, he's going up against Aaron Donald. And uh, I am I would not be excited if I was Tom Brady right now. And again, Jalen Ramsey is going to lock down somebody. And now they're playing him in box situations. So don't want to spend too much time on this because I got to catch the bus soon, but I'm going with LA. You might regret not picking Tom Brady in a big game and you never, I always pick Tom Brady, but that's playoffs regular season. I can pick against a little bit, but it's going to lose at some point. Uh, The real Sunday night football game, the big primetime game of the week, Packers 49ers. I'll make it quick. I'm going with the 49ers. They've dominated the Packers in recent years. Not having Bakhtiari and Darius Smith, I think will actually come back to haunt the Packers in this game. They've gotten away with it a little bit weeks one and two, obviously, Week one, bad performance, but I wouldn't put it on those holes. I think Nick Bosa can have a big game, uh, and I really think George Kittle. This is the game he blows up because yeah. with the with the way that the Niners think can run the ball, even with demi- or a diminished running back uh, situation, I think they run an offense that will take some of the Packers' best players out of the game, especially Jair Alexander, because most of their completions are shorter on the field, and they make their plays after the catch. It kind of takes his lockdown ability out of it, and then without Zadarius Smith, and without uh, Bakhtiari, I don't think that the Packers can get it done. Shout out, though, to Aaron Jones last week for winning some fantasy leagues uh, and some fantasy games in week two. But I'm going with the 49ers. Kittle's going to eat. Bosa's going to eat. And I think the Packers, they won't be able to have enough in San Francisco. I was close to taking Green Bay, but I'm going to roll with the Niners. Um, you're coming back for your home opener. Levi Stadium is going to be rocking. Look, this is going to be a battle of the trenches, and honestly, the Niners have it on both sides of the ball. I mean, they've got the clear advantages, especially with Elton Jenkins possibly out for this game. Bakhtiari's already out. The D-line could have a huge game, and the offensive line, um, or the Packers' D-line without Zadarius Smith, not looking so good. I don't know where Sean Gary in that spot is not impressing me so far. Uh, so I'm going to go with the 49ers here. I'm going to believe in my team, uh, and let's get a 3-0 start here, man. Yeah, this is a game that I would usually pick Green Bay, but the reason, main reason is it's the Niners home opener. It is going to be packed and it's going to be loud. Poor Shrieker has to wait till 830 to watch it with the Packers little pendant behind him. So that kind of mm-hmm. sucks. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm going to go with the 49ers. And another guy that I think expect to have a breakout game is Fred Warner. He hasn't really like, you know, stood out in these last two weeks, I think. But I think this is going to be his coming out game along with George Kittle. Uh, those are two guys that I'm going to look out for. And yeah, I got the Niners here uh, at home. And our final game, picking of the week, Monday Night Football, NFC East matchup. Those are always not fun, to be completely honest. Eagles, Cowboys. They're always uh, good games. Big, they're always good games. It's super surprising. Every NFC East game is a big matchup. I'm taking the Eagles in this one because while the Cowboys' offense is much better than the Eagles' offense, in NFC East games, and I think that you guys would agree with this, NFC East games, the offenses for each team always play up to what they're going to do. So the Eagles offense is going to look a lot better than it has weeks one and two, and a lot better than I think it will for the majority of the season. And when it comes down to it, they've impressed me a lot on, on defense this year. They're much better on defense than Dallas. I think that Jalen Hurts has a pretty good game. Watch out for Devonta Smith. And I think that all these games are always down to the wire. And I trust the I trust the defense in Philadelphia more. And I think that because of this NFC East matchup, the offense will 
uh, uptick a little bit from its production in weeks one and two. The winner of this game uh, could very well be the favorites in the NFC East. So a lot riding on this, but I'm going to go with the Cowboys. The main matchup I'm looking at is Dak Prescott and all of his weapons versus this Philly defense. Who will fold first? And I'm going to bet on the Philly defense folding. Um, and this is also the Cowboys home opener. I, so the Cowboys on, are going to have some <laughs> <laughs> home openers are a big thing, man, in this podcast segment, but uh, Dallas being back home is going to play a huge impact, especially with this rivalry Eagles Cowboys, like doesn't really get much better than that. But like, uh, I, I'm going to take the Cowboys in this game. I think they're going to ride off the backs of their fans energy. Uh, and I'm betting on Philly's defense to fold first. That, that was exactly like, literally like exactly my reason like because they've played their first two games one across coast to tampa and then another across coast to la and now they're back home monday night it's going to be packed and it's going to be packed with dallas fans uh philly fans travel well but it's dallas over there at&t stadium oh, so yeah, sure. i got dallas over there i think i trust dak prescott more than i trust jalen hurts as much as i'm high on hurts and i think uh, even though amari's got those bruised ribs i believe i think he's gonna probably play um, and I think uh, Zach Martin is going to be a full go. All their, all, most of the guys that they're kind of having on uh, questionable, I think Randy Gregory will play as well. So I got Dallas here. Um, again, they've impressed me on both sides of the ball. So yeah, I got Dallas. And I think again, Trayvon Diggs, he's establishing himself. He's a stud, so. man. And hey, CHT fans, we're finally differing me and Jack on picks. I think we've differed on like three. Yeah, this, this week, is so. this, yeah. this is a make or break. Me and Anish, me and Anish have been on. We've been yeah. on it though. Yeah, and there's Pretty a ton of games that, that we didn't cover that could be uh, flipper flop games as well. Whoever wins this week in picks could really be off to a hot start and and build themselves a sizable gap below them. Yep. Also, like we mentioned every time, go to our Instagram down in the description and vote on the fan picks. You guys had a pretty good week last week. You're now tied for second uh, with me at 19 and 13. Shrikar up at 20 and 12 in a niche, all the way down at the bottom at 18 and 14. <laughs> one game. I'm going to come I back. know. I know. If you guys are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please consider leaving a five-star review and subscribing to the show. And if you're on YouTube, go hit that subscribe button, the like button, and the notification bell, and leave a comment letting us know what you thought of our takeaways, what you think of some of the big picks for this week, and just overall what you thought of the episode in general. We've been the Cold Our Truth Podcast. We will see you guys next week with this same exact episode uh, for the next week. Enjoy your week three weekend, guys, and we will see you next time. <laughs>